This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Cardiac History and Exam with Christina Rone. Hi, my name is Christina Rone. I'm one of the cardiology fellows at Boston Children's Hospital, and I'll be talking to you today about the cardiac history and physical exam when evaluating children for possible cardiac disease. Our objectives today are to understand the clinical history relevant to heart disease in children, recognize the features of the clinical exam in heart disease, understand the basics of auscultation and characterization of cardiac murmurs, and understand the features of pathologic versus benign murmurs. Clinical history. From a history standpoint, there are three important categories, gestational and perinatal history, especially if evaluating an infant, postnatal and present history, and then family history. We're gonna go through each of these. The gestational and perinatal history is really important when evaluating an infant. Specifically, you're gonna to wanna to ask about the maternal history. Were they healthy while they were pregnant? Did they receive prenatal care? And did they have regular ultrasounds during pregnancy? And if so, did those show anything of concern? When you're asking about maternal infections, you're referring mostly to the torch infections, but any infection is also important to note. Finally, you're gonna ask if mom took any medications. Specifically, phenytoin, lithium, retinoic acid, and warfarin have all been associated with cardiac malformations. The postnatal and present history is our next category. Most importantly for infants and young children is are they growing along their growth curve? And if they're not growing along their growth curve, have they at least continued to consistently gain weight or have they been losing weight? Are they meeting their developmental milestones? Have there been any feeding problems? Is there any cyanosis? Decreased exercise tolerance. Specifically for young children, you're gonna to wanna to ask as they run around on the playground, are they able to keep up with their peers or are they falling back? Have they ever fainted or felt as if they were about to faint? Have they ever experienced chest pain or palpitations? When you're asking about palpitations, I usually pose the question to children, have they had any extra beats or skipped beats? The most important thing to remember when evaluating an infant is that feeding is really an exercise test for them. And if they are able to feed and grow, there's usually not a major cardiac issue. Family history. You're gonna to wanna to ask if anyone has ever been born with a heart problem. And that'll be your screening for family history of congenital heart disease. Has anyone passed away suddenly or from an unexplained cause? Often I will also ask about unexplained car accidents or drownings because those can be indicative of electrical problems with the heart. Does anyone have hypertrophic or dilated cardiomyopathy? And does anyone in the family require a pacemaker or an implanted defibrillator? Clinical exam. Next, we're gonna to move to the physical exam. The most important thing when you walk in the room is to take in the general appearance of the infant or child. From a nutritional standpoint, do they look well-nourished or are they malnourished? And in terms of their respiratory status, are they breathing easily or are they breathing quickly and with difficulty? Then you're gonna to turn to palpation from the cardiac perspective. You're gonna put your hand on their chest and feel their precordium to see if they are hyperdynamic, 
Is the point of maximal impulse displaced? And do you feel a thrill? Then you're gonna to turn to peripheral pulses. In an infant, it's gonna be really important to feel for the upper brachial pulse and the lower femoral pulses. And note, are they bounding or is there a difference between the upper and lower pulses? In addition, you're gonna to wanna to, at this point turn to the blood pressure, which should in an infant or young child have been taken in both an upper extremity and a lower one to make sure that there's no gradient. Point of clarification. A systolic blood pressure measurement of greater than 10 millimeters of mercury higher in the arm than the leg may signify the presence of a coarctation of the aorta. Then you're going to turn to auscultation. Auscultation refers to the appreciation of the heart sounds. It's important to remember that there are two big heart sounds, S1 and S2. S1 is going to refer to the mitral and tricuspid valve closure and S2 to the aortic and pulmonary valve closure. People often talk about the splitting of S2. In normal children, it is normal to hear a variation in the splitting with respiration. Abnormal heart sounds. Abnormal splitting refers to when the S2 sounds are widely split, and that can be reflective of volume overload or electrical delay in a right bundle branch block. Narrowly split second heart sounds usually are reflective of pulmonary hypertension or aortic stenosis. And if the second heart sound is entirely single, that is reflective of severe aortic stenosis or pulmonary hypertension. This is a useful diagram for referring to the different areas that you'll listen to the valves opening and closing. As you can see, there is an appropriate place to listen for both the mitral, the tricuspid, and then the aortic and the pulmonic. Murmurs. Murmurs are the sound of blood moving through the heart. It's important to remember that those can be benign and the sound of blood moving through an entirely structurally normal heart, or the sound made by blood moving through abnormal valves or holes in the heart. Murmurs are broken down into systolic, diastolic, continuous, gallops, and clicks. We will go through each of these. Before we do that, it's important to remember that we grade murmurs and that we are standardized across all specialties into how we grade the murmurs. Grade one is barely audible. Grade two is soft, but easily audible. A grade three is moderately loud, but accompanied by no thrill when you put your hand on the precordium. Grade four is loud and has a thrill. Grade five is audible with a stethoscope barely on the chest, and grade six is audible with a stethoscope off the chest, and very rare. Systolic murmurs are divided into three categories, ejection, late systolic, and holosystolic. Ejection murmurs are usually reflective of pulmonary stenosis or aortic stenosis. Late systolic murmurs are usually reflective of mitral valve prolapse, and holosystolic murmurs are usually tricuspid regurgitation, mitral regurgitation, or a ventricular septal defect. This is a helpful chart in terms of breaking down the ways that systolic murmurs sound. In a mid-systolic murmur, you can hear that they're initially softer, then they get louder, and then softer again. Sometimes that's referred to as a crescendo-decrescendo murmur. Holosystolic murmurs are heard throughout systole between S1 and S2 and can often actually obscure the beginning of diastole. 
early systolic murmurs are short and heard right at the beginning. And late systolic murmurs are usually reflective of mitral regurgitation and are usually accompanied by a mitral click. Diastolic murmurs are always pathologic. They are broken into early diastolic and mid-diastolic. Early diastolic murmurs are usually higher pitched and are reflective of aortic regurgitation if it radiates to the apex or pulmonary regurgitation if it radiates along the left sternal border. Mid-diastolic murmurs tend to be lower pitched, are appreciated with the bell of your stethoscope, and are either mitral stenosis, which you hear at the apex of the heart, or tricuspid stenosis at the left lower sternal border. Continuous murmurs are reflective of a PDA, an AV fistula, a shunt murmur after surgery, or a venous hum. PDAs are patent ductus arterioses murmurs and are usually appreciated in newborns before the duct has closed. In addition, shunt murmurs are usually only heard after a child has had surgery. Point of clarification. A venous hum murmur varies with patient position, being louder when the patient is sitting with her neck extended and softer or absent with the rotation of the neck or when the patient is supine. This is another diagram that is helpful for remembering where you're going to hear each of the murmurs. So an aortic valve stenosis murmur would be best appreciated in the aortic valve area, which is in the right upper sternal border. Pulmonic murmurs are usually heard along the left upper sternal border. Mitral murmurs are usually heard along the apex. And a VSD or tricuspid regurgitation or stills murmurs are heard at the left lower sternal border. Point of clarification. A stills murmur has a characteristic vibratory quality and typically is louder when the patient is supine rather than sitting. Gallops. Gallops are broken down into either S3 or S4. The third heart sound is referred to as S3 and is usually heard at the apex of the heart. Point of clarification. An S3 gallop is best heard at the apex if produced by a dilated or dysfunctional left ventricle, or along the left lower sternal border if produced by a dilated or dysfunctional right ventricle. It can be normal in children and young adults, although it can also be reflective of, of patients with dilated ventricles and decreased compliance. Fourth heart sounds are heard also at the apex, and these are always pathologic. Point of clarification. An S4 gallop is usually associated with decreased ventricular compliance that occurs with myocardial ischemia or ventricular hypertrophy. Clicks. Clicks. There are three types of clicks, ejection click, mid-systolic click, or the diastolic opening snap. An ejection click is usually appreciated at the apex of the heart and is reflective of aortic stenosis, usually if there's a bicuspid aortic valve as well.
Mid-systolic clicks are heard at the apex and usually reflect mitral valve prolapse. Finally, diastolic opening snaps are also mitral stenosis, but are usually heard at the apex or left lower sternal border. Rubs. A pericardial friction rub can be heard when the two walls of the pericardium rub against each other, producing audible friction. This sound can be described as a grating, scratching, or rasping noise that sounds similar to squeaky leather. It has both a systolic and diastolic component and often obscures the normal S1 and S2 heart sounds. The sound is usually best heard between the apex and the sternum and can be indicative of pericarditis, which is an inflammation of the fibrous sac surrounding the heart. Thank you very much for your time today. I hope that you've enjoyed learning about the cardiac history and physical exam. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.